We'll be looking at chapters 26 and 27. I believe that it was the Apollo 13 moon mission where uh, it was stated by mission control, failure is not an option. There are times when all of us have failed. Every single one of us has failed, and it's not something that is unusual. And sometimes when we fail, it is really no big deal. I have read where it's, uh, you know, it's good for our mental health. If we can look at some of our failures and laugh at them. And I think that we've all probably had some failures like that where we did get a chuckle out of it. Might not be something we want to share with everybody, but you know, it's, there's times that it happens. However, there are some failures that are not funny. They hurt, kind of bite us. And we don't want to experience it, but it happens. Sometimes we're not as strong as we think that we are, and we, it leads to failure. Here in the book of Matthew, Matthew arranges three failures in a row. None of the other Gospels have this exact arrangement. And as we look at these failures in Matthew, we see man failing at his worst. But on the other hand, we see God was succeeding at His best. And I think that that gives us hope to know that as Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 tells us that we know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, we know that that's true. That many times we go through something, a failure on our part, and as we're going through it, we think that it's impossible for something good to come out of it. But then as we look at the end or get to the end or maybe look back at it after a certain amount of time, we realize that there was something good that did come out of it. And certainly from the three individuals that we're going to look at this morning, we can see their failures. And hopefully there's a lesson for us, a lesson for you, because God is there and God's will will be done. So this morning, I would like for us to work our way backwards. As opposed to going straight through, we're going to work our way backwards. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to begin reading in verse 11. <clears throat> and Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had, and they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, whom will, ye, whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that, they, that for envy they had delivered him. And when he was set down at the, on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? 
For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Here we see a failure. But I guess the question should be, why did Pilate fail? Pilate failed because he was overwhelmed with peer pressure. It was pressure from people around him that caused him to do the things that he did. He could have gone down in history as the most judicious governor that ever existed. But he allowed himself to be controlled by peer pressure. Now, when we talk about peer pressure, many times we talk to our young people because we realize that in school and with their friends and things that happen, that sometimes you know the pressure is put on. Didn't that you know just go along with us? We know your parents don't like it, or we know that it's wrong. Just kind of go along with it. And so the pressure is put on, and you want to be accepted, and so you go along and you do what you know you're not supposed to do. The problem is, it's not just our teenagers that have that problem. As adults, we have the same problem. Now, we look at Pilate and we say that's kind of an extreme case. But how many of us are guilty of the same thing? You see, Pilate, he could have stopped the kangaroo court that was taking place. But he caved in. He gave in. He questioned Jesus, the accused, personally. So it wasn't like he was getting a report that he was reading about Jesus. Jesus was there, and those that were testifying against him were there. They were false witnesses. And Pilate, the Bible shows us, he knew why that they had delivered Jesus. And he knew Jesus was innocent. He tried to substitute Barabbas thinking that the crowd would never want a prisoner like that released. But again, they wanted to crucify Jesus. And he didn't stop it. He listened to his wife as he sat in the judgment seat and she sent him word about the dreams that she had had concerning this just man. So he had an opportunity from someone that was close to him to listen to what she was saying, but yet he ignored it. He appealed to the crowd to change the verdict. But in the end, he bowed to peer pressure. It's easy for us to forget that when we're doing what's right, we're with the majority. 
And it's easy to look at Pilate and say, well, you know, he's kind of excused because Jesus was going to die. That was God's will. Jesus had prayed. God had answered the prayer. And Jesus was going through with it. And so Pilate was just doing what Pilate was supposed to do. No, Pilate was doing what he wanted to do. Because Pilate could have said, no, this is an unjust trial. Jesus is innocent and we're going to let Him go. Do you think that God could have still had Jesus crucified? I think so. But Pilate caved in to peer pressure. Those around him influenced him to do what they wanted when he knew that it was wrong. It's easy to forget, like I said, who's in the majority when we're with God. Listen to what the Jews, what happened to the Jews. They wanted to believe Jesus, but they were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. In John chapter 12 and verse 42, it says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praises of men more than the praises of God. How many of us are like Pilate? We hear something in the gossip line. We know we should say something and, and, and rebuke it, to stop it, to say it shouldn't happen. But if we do... We might get put out of the click. People might not talk to us anymore. Or we see somebody doing something that they're not supposed to do, and instead of saying something, we just kind of go along with it. Because we don't want them to not like us. We don't want to make them uncomfortable. We don't want to be uncomfortable ourselves. It would have been uncomfortable probably for Pilate to say, hey, this court's over. This man's innocent. We're releasing him. You see, we're not going to be put out of the synagogue. We're not going to be put out of the church. But we might lose a friendship if we say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. And so we go along just to get along. Now tell me that's not true. Because it is. It happens all the time. Just remember that if you're telling people what God's Word says, you're in the majority. Don't allow peer pressure to allow you to go along with things you know you shouldn't go along with, whether you're young or old. Our next person that we want to look at is found in Matthew chapter 27. Beginning in verse 1. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put Him to death. And when they had bound Him, they led Him away and delivered Him to Pontius Pilate the governor. And then Judas, which had betrayed Him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, 
What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And a chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for to be put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and brought with them the potter or bought with them the powder or potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then when then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. Here again we see another failure. But why did Jews fail? Judas failed because he was overcome or overwhelmed with extreme sorrow. He knew what he had done. He had remorse. He had regret. At first it looked good. Because as I said, he felt remorse. But remorse is not the same as repentance. It's a start, but it's not the same. He took the money back. He returned it. And so we have some evidence that Judas was showing signs of repentance. He even confessed, which is hard words for people to say, but Judas said, I have sinned in that I betrayed the innocent blood. And I can't just overlook this Scripture that's there because I think it's interesting to point out because we need to be reminded. But what did they say when he said that? What is that to us? See thou to that. We've known people like that. People that will use people until they get what they want and then they just take them out to the curb like the trash and discard them. They don't want to have anything to do with them anymore. And that's what's happening here. Judas is feeling remorse. He's taking the money back, but they don't care about Judas. Judas did what they want and now they don't need him anymore. You know people like that? I hope you're not a people like that. Judas said, I have sinned. And then he went out and hanged himself. We sometimes forget that God is bigger than any of our problems. Let me ask you this. If Judas repented and realized his sin and asked for forgiveness, do you think God would have forgiven Judas? Was Judas's sin so big that God would never forgive it? I think God would have forgiven Judas if Judas would have done what he was supposed to have done after his failure and ask God to forgive him. We sometimes forget that God is bigger than our troubles. 
I've had people say I've done things that I never thought I was capable of doing. Maybe that was Judas's attitude. But in the end, God can dig us out of those pits that we put ourselves into. In fact, sometimes in the midst of our weaknesses, that's where we find our strength. Because it was Paul who said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, and He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. When I am weak, then am I strong. Many times we don't realize where our strength comes from until we have a weak moment in our life. Something that we're going through, a difficult time. And we realize that we need God. And sometimes that's the only time people talk to God is when they're in a weak moment. We need to have that relationship with God all the time where we're talking to Him on a daily basis. But we need to understand that sometimes those, those trials are for our good. They help us. They make us stronger. And sometimes we fail. And when we fail, we get up. And we go again. And we, make, we, we learn something from that failure. But God is there. And He helps us through those situations. And sometimes we don't see it as we're going through it. But when we look back at it, we look back at that problem that we were dealing with. We can see how God helped us. And we can see where our strength comes from. Now let's look at the final failure this morning that we want to look at. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 through the end of the chapter. <clears throat> Now Peter sat without in a palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied that before them, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he had gone out into the porch, another maid saw him, and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And he began to deny him with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art also one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. Why did Peter fail? We've seen why Pilate failed. We've seen why Judas failed. But why did Peter fail? Peter failed because he was overwhelmed with excessive pride. Back up into Matthew chapter 26. And let's look at verse 31 beginning. Then said Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. 
But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crowed, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Peter failed because of his pride. He had a chance to really stand up for Jesus. And as I said earlier this morning, there's more than just a song about standing up for Jesus. That means that we're going to stand up for what's right. We're going to say what needs to be said. We're going to do what needs to be done. And in Peter's case, he could have had, he had the opportunity to say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, but he didn't. And brother, how many times have you and I had the opportunity to stand up and say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and then we did exactly what Peter did. Instead of being with Jesus, instead of doing what he was supposed to do, Peter was set on his own agenda. And he was intimidated by a little girl. It's amazing what will undo us when we are outside of God's will. When we're not living like we should, when we're not doing what we're supposed to do, it's easy to be intimidated by the world. The Bible even tells us here that one person said his speech gave him away. Now, I've heard you know people say, well, it's probably his accent or whatever. I don't know if that's what it was or the way he talked. I would imagine if you spent time with Jesus, it's going to affect the way you talk. Because you see, spiritually speaking, in a spiritual sense, that should be true of all of us, that our speech should betray us. We shouldn't laugh at the things that the world laughs at that is filthy or bad. We shouldn't talk like the people at work that are using filthy language. They're telling us things that we don't need to hear or want to hear. Our speech should be different than the world. But in contrast to Pilate and Judas, Peter came back. His road back after failure looks like this. He remembered the words of Jesus. In Luke chapter 22, verse 61, it says, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said unto him before the cock crows, Thou shalt deny me thrice. I thought of that quite often, wondered even to myself, how many times the Lord's looked at me? Maybe you've wondered the same thing. How many times has he looked at you? Because you had an opportunity to stand up for our Lord, to stand up and say, I'm a Christian. To stand up and say, I'm a follower of Christ. We don't do those things. Many times the Lord looked at us. You see, sometimes we remember the words of the Lord. 
after the fact. Peter showed a spirit of brokenness. As the Bible says that after Jesus looked at him, he went out and wept bitterly. I wonder also as I read these passages, what made Jesus look at Peter? Was Peter close enough to Jesus on that occasion where Jesus could just look over and hear the conversation that was taking place between the two girls and the man and, the, and, and Jesus? Or was it the fact that the cock crew and he knew that, well, it happened? Or was Peter so loud in his denial that no matter how far away Jesus was, he could hear what Peter said. Nevertheless, Jesus looked at him and it broke Peter. In contrast to Judas, one of the things we learn about Peter is he stayed with the group. We can turn over, we're not going to, but in John chapter 21, Jesus is with other disciples. Why is it when we fail, when we fall away, why is it that the hardest people to face are church people? Should it be that way? I don't think so. But many times it is. Because we know that there are members of the church, that there are people in the body of Christ, that when they hear what we've done, it's going to be everywhere. They can't wait to tell everybody and talk about it. And so therefore, a lot of times people are afraid to come back. They don't want to come back. Because they know people are going to talk about it. That shouldn't be the case. And sometimes it's hard because we know we didn't live up to the standard that God had for us. Many times church people are living up to that standard. And so is our guilt. But we need to remember that when Christians are doing the right thing, they are the only ones that can truly help to restore us. So we can look at these three examples. Hopefully we can learn something from them. But the Bible is full of people who failed. I guess the question could be why? The answer is quite simple. Because that's the only type of people that there are. Of all the people that's ever lived on the earth, only one has lived a perfect life. And that was Jesus. All the rest of us at some point have chosen to sin. And that's the choice that we made. It's our failures. But what do we do with it? Do we just continue to go along with the peer pressure? Do we go out and take our life? That's not the answer. Peter gives us a good example to follow. You see, our God is a God of grace and a God of second chances. And I would hope that that would inspire us to pray for the power to overcome temptation 
when it comes near us as opposed to being content to pray for forgiveness after knowing that we failed. I mentioned that I've had people that will say they've done things that they never thought that they were capable of doing. Sometimes they're crying when they say those words. And I kind of wonder if that's the case with David. And when he sinned with Bathsheba, and she became pregnant and he tried to cover it up, and then ended up having her husband murdered in the battle, I wonder if he thought, I've done things that I never thought that I was capable of doing. But there's an example there for us, just like Peter, that God is bigger than our problems. And God can forgive us if we'll repent and take care of it the way that He tells us that we must. You see, Jesus, later on, if we read further in to Matthew, we would see Jesus die on a cross. And He died for you and me so that you and I could have salvation, so that we could have our sins washed away. But we have to do what He's told us to do. And Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the Gospel. And that Gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He arose victorious over the grave. And that Gospel is the power of God and the salvation according to Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And so that Gospel message is important because it shows us what Jesus did. But we need to remind ourselves that until we do what Jesus has told us to do, we're still in our sin. And we need to take care of that sin. And God can forgive that sin when we do what Jesus said when He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We have to believe that He is the Son of God. Repent of our sins and turn away from Him and then confess His name before men and then be buried with our Lord in baptism. And that's what Jesus says we need to do. And we see that in the New Testament. And maybe you are a Christian and maybe you failed. Maybe you haven't lived like you should. Maybe you haven't stood up and said, that's wrong and I can't go along with it. Maybe you've given in to peer pressure. Stop doing those things. Remember, with God, you're in the majority. And so this morning, if you need our prayers, we're here to help you. If you'd like to be baptized into Christ, we can do that. And so we would encourage you to come and have a seat up here on the front row if you have a need. As together we stand and sing.